Welcome to episode three of the Are You Listening podcast. It's been an interesting couple of games for the Scarlet Knights uh, specifically, but before we get into that, Gio, what's good? What's good, bro? Just been chilling. It's been an interesting couple of games, but also interesting couple of days too. You know, obviously my guy Dylan Harper just committed. So, uh, you know, really happy about that. And it was a good day for Rutgers, even though they actually lost that day to Wake Forest. But, um, you know, it's a good time right now to be a Rutgers basketball fan. Yeah, monumental day for um, the Scarlet Knights, for for sure, for starters. Uh, That weird time of the year where you have in-season or conference play kicking off and then it pauses, and then you have, you know, out-of-conference games that are scheduled as well. So it's a ton of excitement. The holidays are here. Um, But uh, RU has been 2-2 and over the last couple of games since we, we, we previously recorded Illinois, Wake Forest, um, and then a really big game, obviously, against Seton Hall and then LIU. Um, that Illinois game, man, you talk about no rest for the weary and a team that's obviously trying to get healthy in Rutgers. I mean, now looking back at it in retrospect, Illinois continues to play well, and they ran into a buzzsaw via Terrence Shannon Jr. Yeah, they're tough. <laughs> they're tough, man. I mean, I was I was at the game, and, you know, the, the biggest thing that stuck out was just the physicality of their team and, you know, you're looking from one through five. They were, you know, they were bigger in every position and, and just more physical. And, you know, they look like some grown men out there. And uh, you got guys like Gavin and J. Mike where, you know, it's their their first year in college basketball and it's their first ever Big Ten game. And you're going up against, you know, fifth-year seniors, guys who have been at multiple schools, guys who have been through the battles and, and uh, you know, guys who have won, too, at, at this high of a level. It was uh, – it's a tough game for them, you know, first game in the Big Ten against going against a team like that. But, you know, I think it obviously will help them in the long run, too. I feel like the guys got a lot of good film out of the game. But, uh, yeah, we got they they came out swinging. They hit they hit Rutgers hard for sure. Yeah, you talk about baptism by fire. That is the quintessential example of what that means. You know, for the freshmen coming into their first conference game. There might not be a tougher opponent and a tougher guard in the country to try to contain than Terrence Shannon Jr. in Illinois, for that matter. He had 23 points um, and 10 rebounds, and he he in open court is honestly just majestic. You know, he is it's crazy. Uh, a football player playing the lead guard position, and he's shifty, and then he can take off from uh, from the free throw line or a step within and contort his body in a in a multitude of ways, man. So it's a beautiful thing to watch. Um, but definitely probably a welcome to college basketball moment for the younger guys, definitely. you know, that were stepping up in competition in this one. Definitely. I mean, I was, I was impressed too by his decision-making when he was going downhill that fast. There was a lot of times where, and, and I've had teammates in the past and we've had scout report of other, you know, other players in the past where they're going downhill like that, that, you know, they're usually very prone to charges or turnovers and, you know, it honestly felt like he was making the right decision every time, too, which is really hard when you when you get downhill at the speed that he was he was going at. Uh, I mean, it, it seemed like every time it was either a layup or he was kicking it out to the right guy. And then it was an extra pass for for a jump shot or a shot fake. I mean, they they did a great job really attacking, attacking into the paint and then kicking it out for for uh, better looks. And that, that was probably impressed me the most about what he was doing. Agree. Marcus Domas was also balling. I was really impressed my first time getting a chance to see him live 15 points seven rebounds for him Coleman Hawkins has been do- uh, um, battling some injuries uh, for Illinois but played some really good defense throughout that game and made some some big time winning plays which has just become his brand of how he likes to compete each and every time out 
and, and for RU, you know, um, you know, a really good chance for, you know, some somebody to step up because it, it was it was a game that got out of hand, I would say, pretty early on. And you understand how the flow was going. Um, but Andre Hyatt led the way, tied with Austin Williams for nine points, respectively, mm-hmm. and Gavin Griffiths with eight, Derek Simpson with seven. So they moved on and had another tough one, had to fly, you know, not too far after that one um, down to, to, to Carolina to compete against Wake Forest and the Demon Deacons, who do not lose at home. And and this was a, a get-back game, um, not for Rutgers per se, but for Wake Forest. Yeah. Um you know, when RU had a really successful win in, in recent history against the Demon Deacons, that's definitely something that weighs on your mind as a competitor, the opportunity to try to play against that team that's out of conference that beat you up pretty well, you know, in the previous season. Yeah, man. I mean, I think that was that was another tough one. And, and again, going back to these little tests, I mean, you, you get your first Big Ten game and then you got to go on the road against a good out-of-conference opponent. Um you know, how do the young guys react? And and it just seemed like the team was was kind of flat the whole game. Never really felt like they really got any good energy. Um, it didn't really feel like anyone got any type of rhythm uh, against Wake Forest. So, that you know, that's always tough. Um, but, again, how do you bounce back from it? Obviously, they showed that, uh, you know, going on the road and, and claiming New Jersey's title and, and being senior hall. So I was, I was really happy to see that from the guys. And uh, we actually had them. At uh at the the Rutgers Scene Hall banquet, uh, which was really cool, getting a chance to get Gavin there and, and, and Noah up there, and getting a chance for them to talk to the fans and get a taste for what the rivalry is really about. Because those are two guys that have you know not from Jersey, haven't been a part of it before, um, you know. So they saw the importance of the rivalry game, and those guys really stepped up to the challenge. And it's really all about bouncing back, man. I thought, um, you know, obviously getting Mawat back, really big deal as well. Um, but if you look at Wake Forest and Illinois, those two games, I mean, they got out rebounded by a, like a substantial amount. I mean, it wasn't even it wasn't even close. So I think that's been like the biggest thing that they're seeing now playing against some of these tougher out of conference teams and or tougher Big Ten opponents is, you know, you really got to man up and, and make sure to get on the board. So I think that's something that they that, that they've been adjusting to a little bit better. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, Wake Forest was an interesting one because it was a test. It was going down, again, in another hostile environment. And the only other situation previous to that was probably the game I would compare against Princeton in the first game of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you, you get, you know, a little bit of a break to be able to mentally recalibrate if you're Rutgers. And then you got to get, you know, prepared to your point for that Garden State Classic. And yeah. no matter what records are, they go out the window when you have the Seton Hall competition and everybody's chirping all week, and yeah. uh, you know you want to come out there and and win that and bring the 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 Harwood Classic Trophy back to Piscataway, which it hasn't been in recent history. Yeah. So a big time game and outing. I was there calling it. Noah Fernandez led the way with 19 points, but it was an all hands on deck affair. Jermichael Davis, Cliff Amari, Andre Hyatt, Gavin Griffiths all played really well offensively. I was really impressed with the defense by Jermichael Davis. Um, he, you know, was able to match up with Alamir Dawes and really take him out his rhythm. Kadari Richmond's a, a bucket regardless of who you put mm. on him because of his size. He's at six foot six, and he looks like a linebacker out there. He's able to get wherever he wants to on a court. He finished with 21 points in total. But RU was able to pull away 70 to 63, and Big Cliff Amori, 
you know, came back and was able to do what he needed to do, protect the rim. He's, he's done a phenomenal job with that all season and had 13 rebounds, seven blocks, yeah. and walked away with the Joe Calabrese MVP um, as a result of that dub. You got you got any uh any good memories or stories from the from the rivalry games that you could think of at the top of your head? A ton. We were talking with Freddie Hill the other day, and we were laughing about my freshman year when he was coaching, and uh, Bobby Gonzalez was the head coach at Seton Hall at the time. They had Jeremy Hazel, they had Jeff Robinson when we were both in the Big East at the time, mm-hmm. and at the old rack, um, it had none of the upgrades and none of the renovations that. Uh, currently are standing within Jersey Mike's arena and the walls, I swear, were paper thin. You could hear the opposing team locker room through the bathroom and they beat us on our home court. And it was a whole bunch of theatrics throughout the game. People were throwing elbows. People were wrestling on the floor. Hamadi Enjai was a a senior that year. And I remember um, he got into a wrestling match with one of the Seton Hall players and then stood up in front of a completely sold out crowd and started waving his arms. And I've never heard <laughs> so loud at that moment. It was wild, but they ended up they ended up getting a uh, a dub, and certain players didn't even shake hands with Seton Hall. They just yeah, walked away, that's how it go. walked into the locker room. Nice. And these dudes start started. They know because you grow up playing in the rack, or you grow up playing in Jersey grassroots all at somewhere. So you know how the locker room was situated if you're a Seton Hall player. And they started banging on the the wall because they knew that Rutgers could hear it and they was talking mad yeah. shit. So I ain't gonna lie, though, the walls are still thin. I, <laughs> we could when we lost at home, we could hear them too, bro. I, I know exactly what you're talking about. I yeah. know exactly what you mean. Yeah. So I mean, that's just one of many. You had situations um, where uh, one of their players tried to you know wrestle with the the Scarlet Knight mascot, which was a whole nother thing, but. It's it's always um, you know appointment UN television when when both Seton Hall and Rutgers get together. Yeah, and that was their first win at the Prudential Center since 2012-2013 season, which is a crazy stat. I mean, it's been a long time, and and uh, it shows the direction that the program's going too. That's not an easy place to get a win at. Um, I never found a way to win over there, um, you know. And and obviously, it's only going to continue now when you got guys like like Dylan Harper. And uh, you know, Ace coming in, so it's gonna be, it's gonna be good for Rutgers fans, I think, for for a long time coming. I actually heard this a couple times about people talking about they think the rivalry's dying out a little bit. I want to hear your take on that a little. I, I don't, I don't agree, and I don't want it to die out. That was one of my favorite games um, every single year that we played. You know, it was just a, it's just a fun environment, and and even though it's built off of of hatred, you could say. Um, it's fun for the guys you know, as a competitor. That's that's one of my favorite games to play in. Do you see that dying out at all, or, or what's your thoughts on that? I challenge a person saying that as to how would it be, um, in fact, dying out because I mm. feel like it's it always gets a tremendous amount of coverage and juice. Yep. And you talked about you know the excitement that you're able to draw and getting a banquet together and get yep. people bought in on both sides. So yep. if it's dying out, then then how so? Because it seems to me that the state of New Jersey at the very least gets up for it. Um, I think maybe you have years that are down where like if both teams aren't where people are hoping from a a statistical category standpoint, then they might not be as excited about it if the records aren't that. It it doesn't seem as meaningful, I guess, is what I'm trying to get at. But at the very least, you're always going to get a competitive basketball game. You're always going to get the theatrics. You're always going to get physicality and toughness. For sure. 
Um, I think that they just need to make sure that it's continuously scheduled year in and year out. Definitely. With both teams being in separate conferences. Um, and I know these young boys that see, you know, you playing and, you know, Ron playing and Caleb and the guys who came before them and what it means to you that they're going to want a piece of that too. So um, hopefully they keep it on the books. And yeah. you know that, you know, Shy and those guys got their eyes on what RU's doing. They're going to try to retool and reload <laughs> and, and get competition and really good players to come in. So they're you're not they're not losing in this arms race against RU because they want to they want to be the best team in the state of New Jersey. Yeah, hundred percent. Nah, hundred percent agree. I think the other thing too is nobody really knew each other on the teams this year. Like I felt like in my years playing, we all kind of we all had like a little bit of a history or like you know it's somehow we all guys. knew each other. We, it was funny. <laughs> we asked them at the banquet. Like they asked the senior hall guys, like, "Oh, do y'all you know have any stories or know anybody on the on the team?" And they both just Al and Kadari just kind of looked at each other like, "Nah, we don't know anybody." <laughs> so yeah, I think that was another part of it too. It was like. You know, it got to a certain point where we knew we knew Jared Roden and, you know, we knew Miles Powell. We knew all the guys over there. So it was like that kind of added to the rivalry, too, where we could talk a little bit more trash. For sure. For sure. I mean, it's only going to get more and more exciting. And Rutgers is going to be in high demand, regardless of who they're competing against. And you mentioned and touched on the excitement and the recent news with, you know, the recruiting announcements of Dylan, you know, pledging a commitment and, you know, some of the other guys that are already signed so um what do you what do you feel all in all just about where the state of the program is uh and and what this means you know for the, the potential of are you going for not only for recruits but you know just as the brand continues to enhance and people nationally start to really recognize you know what's going on at the Skyway. i mean it's in a it's in a really really good place bro um you know even just starting with this year I know there's been a couple bumps in the road in terms of losses, but, you know, now that we got a guy like Mawat back, um, um, I just saw today Emmanuel was practicing, you know, full participant in practice. It's looking like Jeremiah Williams going to get some eligibility. Uh, that's nothing official, but that's what it's looking like uh, from everything that came out with the NCAA ruling. Um so in terms of this year, this team, I mean, this is going to be an, a lot a lot more complete team than what it looked like at the very beginning of the year. Uh, these guys are starting to gel more. Cliff is starting to come into his own. Obviously, he has seven blocks against Cena Hall, um, you know, turning into the player that we all expected him to be uh, at the beginning of the season. So for this year in general, I'm really excited about how this team's looking. Jeremiah Williams is a very, very good basketball player. Like, I saw him practice a couple of times talking about rebounding toughness all the stuff that they're kind of lacking a little bit him and Mawat fill that hole immediately I mean immediately he brings he brings that experience toughness a little bit of swagger like he's gonna talk some trash um you know he's a he's a really really good player like I'm excited to see him play um and then moving forward the fact that they got these recruits you got Dylan in the building Ace in the building I mean you can go to any if you're Coach Pykel, if you're TJ Thompson, B Knight, you can go to any recruit in the country and say, "Look who we got coming in." The proof is nobody, in the nobody's nobody's going to turn you down now. It's 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 hard to get your foot in the door. That's that's the tough part. But now once you got them, it's like, well, look who we got coming. They, you know, they're coming for a reason. You know, so that those conversations become a lot easier. And now you you're starting to build these these bridges with recruits that maybe you couldn't do in the past. Um, so now you know, I think we're going to start to see a little bit of a trend where you got top. 2025 recruits coming in and then top 2026 and you know people are going to be turning on espn to watch Rutgers play instead of 
Duke or Kansas or whatever it is. So Which the whole narrative changes. You know what I mean? So, Everything changes uh, just because you've got these two big time players coming in. Um, so that I, I think it's out, only going to move forward from there. To though. your point, I pulled out my phone because I know that this was floating around in the Rutgers universe um, after the Dylan Harper announcement about Brendan Knight's all time recruits. Um, that he's had either a hand in or was the lead recruiter in Ace Bailey, Dylan Harper, Cliff Amore, Ron Harper Jr., Montez Mathis, Derek Simpson, and you, Geo Baker. So tell me for a second, what is it about B Knight that makes him such a, a phenomenal recruiter throughout the process? Yeah, man. I'll say for me personally, I can't speak for everybody else. For me personally, I like talking to dudes who who been it like been in it you know who have who have played who got the resume who you know have have made it to that next level who have you know done something in their career and like for for me to talk to him it's like he's not really talking to me like like as just like a coach it's like it's more of like a mentorship type of idea and and him saying like look I've been in the exact same position as you I was I was an underrated guard or I, you know, I was this, this is what I did. This is, this is how I did it. And it's like, you can look at it and be like, damn, I could do the same thing as him. And everything he's saying, it's like, well, it's gotta be true. Cause he was a winner. <laughs> like, like he already, he already did it. The proof is right there. So that was, that was the best thing for me was like talking to him, talking to coach pipes. It's like, okay, well, these are two point guards who have, you know, done it at the highest level. Um, why would I not be excited to to go learn from them and, and, you know, try to do exactly what they did. And that, and that was when, um, so that was really fun for me. And then also just like his personality in general, again, not feeling like that coach player relationship, but just, uh, more like a family type of vibe. And, you know, he, he went out of his way to come to a lot of my games and I wasn't playing at, uh, I wasn't on a circuit. I wasn't in the UIBL. I wasn't in Under Armour. I wasn't in any of that. Um, and there was actually the first tournament he saw me, he was supposed to fly out to EYBL and he actually canceled the flight and he stayed to watch me through the whole tournament. Mm. So like something like that, I'm like, shit, like the, it, was only, it was like Rutgers and I think Kansas state were the only two big time schools that were at the tournament. Mm. So it was like, damn, like he's really showing love. He didn't have to stay. He didn't have to do that. Um, you know, so little things like that, I think they, and they've shown that with, I mean, they were talking about how they went to see Dylan all the way across the world right like dylan say he looked up in the stands and he sees bikes and b night just sitting there like like little little stuff like that um they really go out of their way you know what it I mean? matters they really go out of their way to to show guys that they care and that they're they're gonna be there for them even when you know they, they really don't have to you know yeah. that's crazy and that's really cool to hear that you know going above and beyond um it really resonates with people when you do the small things um so I, I was just amazed by that graphic to see the, the significance of, you know, those players being able to get them into this program because obviously they've played a significant role all in all, whether they've, they're yourself and they've come through to change the course of the, the direction of the program all in all and in the future, uh, which is very bright, man. And I'm glad you have brought up Cliff because I think that he's turned a corner. He just scored his 1,000th point, which was dope to see. Um, ahead of the LIU game, and then he just went out and dominated. Um, and I think it was an emphatic fashion and, and, a, and a huge relief for him um, as a player to go out and be able to put up those types of numbers scoring-wise. He finished the game with 25 points and 11 rebounds. And yeah. it was Cliff of old of last year yeah. of having people also creating for him, throwing him lobs, and he was dunking on everybody. 
Um, so I think that that is a huge lift for him and a great momentum for him to continue, continue to build on going into Mississippi State this weekend, Stonehill the following, and then back into Big Ten play once it resumes after the new year. And then you got Andre Hyatt, who played very well, 12 points. Jermichael Davis, 12 points. Moat Mag, man, he just has, you know, a knack for stepping up and hitting big shots when the team, you know, the opposing team might be going on a run of momentum. And he did that against LIU. And then Derek Simpson, uh, who hasn't been starting uh, recently, but I, I like this new role for him to come in and, and be a spark plug for this team on both sides of the court. Yeah, I mean, they all just got to stay the course. Uh, I mean, going going back to Cliff, and, and we, we talked about it on this podcast the first couple episodes, but how, how are guys creating for him? It was like you said, you know, he was starting to get easier buckets where, you know, he's setting good screens, getting, you know, just rolling to the hoop and, you know, just throw it up. Like, dude's athletic as shit. <laughs> like, throw it up there, let him go get it. And uh, so he had a, he had more of those. And then I thought the biggest thing, too, the last two games he had zero turnovers. So, like, not only are they putting him in a better position to score right away, but also I think he's being more patient and, you know, reading, reading what the defense is giving to him and, and, you know, just making better IQ plays as well, which is going to be huge. I think against Illinois he had five turnovers, which, you know, was a huge difference as a big man. So uh, that was another thing, too, that really stood out to me. And then for Derek, you know, all these guys, the, the starting lineup is going to change a million times in the season. Mm-hmm. We talked about that at the, in the mm-hmm. first couple of podcasts, too, you know, so – how can you just stay with it, stay the course, and stay level-headed? Derek's a very good basketball player. So is Jermichael. So is Noah. You know, the reality is one of them's got to come off the bench, and some days it's going to be Derek. Some days it's going to be J. Mike. Some days it's going to be Noah. That's just how the season goes, and, and you know, you just got to roll with the punches and stay with it. And, and Derek's a very good basketball player, and like you said, right now he's finding his role as that that six man you know type type of deal or as that you know first guard off the bench um you know so how can you be a star in your role and help the team win okay. and if, if the team's winning then everything else kind of falls into place you don't really got to worry about too much applicable to life being a star in your role man yeah. everybody can't be a, you know the leading scorer you can 100%. be exceptional on something else um and i love that uh that it's been ebbs and flows, ups and downs. It's a brand new team, as we was talking about people being brand new to the Seton Hall rivalry. Well, these are guys that were at different institutions just last season, mm-hmm. and they're figuring it out. And after the Seton Hall win, Pikes came on the radio show, and he was like, uh, post-game, don't let us get healthy. Don't let us get healthy at the That's right it. time. And you talked about some of these other names that are full participants this week. You know, you get a you get the opportunity to to win out for the remainder of December, and then you have all the momentum on your side going into January. But let me just pause there before we do. Um, heard some other rumblings about the non conference schedule for Rutgers being weak this year, and you look at the numbers, and you can understand why people are bringing that up. You know, yeah. currently three hundred and fourteenth based on net rankings um, when you do a comparative analysis amongst all the Division One teams in the land, um, looking at the non-conference schedule. Do we feel like it's important um, to be able to build uh, a more competitive um, or a sexier non-conference schedule, you know, in the middle of all of the brutal Big Ten play? Obviously, last mm-hmm. year, I'll come out and say Rutgers was snubbed. Um, on Selection Sunday, I thought that they should have been in. But in retrospect, would they have been in a better situation if they had scheduled some other, you know, bigger names earlier in the year? Yeah, I think it can it can go both ways. Um, the reality is if you take care of business against the bad non-conference teams, then you don't get penalized. That's that's the reality. 
Um, it's so hard it, to do that, though. But what it does why. create, yeah, what it does create is, you know, you give teams chances to to come yeah. in and, and, you know, steal a win from you. And it happened to me in my fifth year when we lost to Lafayette. I mean, that literally was the reason that we were, instead of being a 10 seed, we were in the first four game. You know, that 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 was, and almost didn't make it. You know, that was, that was the reason why is because we lost to them. I think they were ranked last in the country, <laughs> you know, and we had one bad game where, you know, stuff wasn't clicking. We weren't doing what we were supposed to do. And, um, you know, that was the result. And then we talk about last year where we both felt like they got snubbed. I thought they had a great season, but there was just a couple of losses on the schedule and a couple games that it didn't look good from a number standpoint where, you know, technically people thought they shouldn't belong in, in the tournament. So I think it, it can go both ways. And I think the good part about scheduling some of these harder teams is like, if you lose, it's not a bad loss. Like, and, and you're learning something. Mm-hmm. And the Big Ten, there's so many opportunities for wins that, mm-hmm. you know, I think it makes sense to to start to schedule some some tougher opponents. I thought this year was a little bit better. I mean, you got you got Princeton, who's a very good basketball team, um, in a neutral a neutral arena. You, you're playing Wake Forest on the road, Seton Hall away. So, you know, I thought it has been a little bit better this year. But um, going back to like that, like where the program is going, I think that. Coach Peichel and, and the staff is going to have to beef up the schedule a little bit. You got you got guys like like Dylan and Ace coming in, and the the type of you know TV press that the team's going to be getting. You're, you're going to have to start to put them in some of these you know little little tournaments, uh, non conference tournaments beforehand. Um, you know, just because it's the right thing to do, and, and it's probably the smart thing to do too. You know, it, there was two years in a row where one year we got we we almost got snubbed, and the second year you did get snubbed. Um, you know, you don't want to make the same mistake three times where no, where sure. it comes back to bite you. But I think this this year's team has done a pretty good job so far of taking care of business. Obviously, um, you know, lost to Princeton, but other than that, I think they've they've made sure to win the games that they were supposed to win. Yeah, I like this team. I like this team. I like that we still haven't seen this group full force yep. and healthy, and we don't know what the potential is when you get some of these other pieces back. I think it's strength in numbers with this team, and that applies to um, offense and scoring, which some people are up in arms about, about the inconsistency of where scoring is coming from. Well, on any given night, it can be anybody. And to the point about the scheduling, um, I think that just naturally with the hype and, and hysteria, that all naturally work itself out in the future. So be patient, and we'll see how that goes. Um, looking ahead um, as we come to an end, Two big games um, over the next two weekends, Mississippi State and Stonehill um, for Rutgers to complete the month of January, um, winning four straight potentially. I'll be on a call for both of those on the Big Ten Network. Looking forward to that. And I know yes, you'll sir. be on the call for <laughs> at least one of them. Uh, you'll be back in the booth, man. So I'll be in the booth. I'm looking forward yeah, to man. you bringing the juice and, and loving that. Um, have you had a chance to see either Mississippi State or Stonehill? I haven't seen either of them. I was gonna, I was actually gonna look into Mississippi State uh, in the next couple of days to to get the little scout report on them. I know they've had, a, they've been having a, a very good season. I think they may be having an injury. I think one of their guys is gonna be out for the game though. Which uh, yeah, Tolu you know, Smith, man, he's a he was a preseason um, All American, a potential candidate, and a preseason All SEC dude uh, who I would have loved to see match up with Cliff, but. They just got big, country strong yeah. dudes. That it's a can different play. type of basketball, too. It is. Chris Jans. He's, he's very similar to Paykel, I would say, in his approach to 
having, you know, people who buy into the program and mm-hmm. how you play a particular style, the Rutgers way or the Mississippi State Bulldogs way, and it's all around defense. So these dudes really try to turn you over, and the offense has been up and down. They scored over 100 points a couple games ago yeah. against Tulane, and then they'll score 50 and lose to a team like Southern at home. Yeah, so I saw that. I saw that. <laughs> who knows who, who you're going to get on any given night, but I think it's going to be some high-flying, super physical, um, you know, hard-hedging, really quick guard play. They got a young bull, um, freshman Josh Hubbard, who was committed to Ole Miss, mm-hmm. uh, who is – now at Mississippi State, and he's putting up big numbers in his freshman season. So he has that, you know, ability to go off and be streaky. So I'm interested for some of these individual matchups. They got some big boys, Jimmy Bell Jr., the West Virginia transfer, um, too, which is going to be a really good matchup for Cliff. And let's see if Rutgers can get the 2-0 and in Newark this year, man. That'll be a big-time win and a yeah, neutral man. site. That's a, that'll be a, a very big win for them, I would say, for sure. And hopefully, hopefully we see a couple more guys out on the court with them. Uh, not not sure yet what what it'll look like, but um, you know, obviously for me, man, I'm just really happy to see Mawat back, though. You know, it's, oh, it's man. he's been it he's makes been a world through. Of difference. I feel like every year we talk about the different battles that he has in terms of injuries. So you know, happy to see him back out there and you know just um, you know playing the sport that he loves and having fun out there. So um, definitely going to be a tough game, but I'm excited for it. I'm excited for you too, bro, to be able to get Appreciate back on you, Big man. Ten Network. I'm excited to get on the radio for Stonehill with my guy Jerry Recco. That should be a good one too. <laughs> haven't haven't uh, talked to him in a little bit, so that'll be that'll be fun and exciting. So, uh, yeah, yeah, man. The, uh, the to Rutgers brand just continues to, I think, get better and better, and and it's getting more in the right places. And and more so, credit again to the team for and, and guys like you know what you've done and Ron Harper to 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 increase the brand and, and create opportunities like this. So I'm really excited for for both of those situations too. And Stonehill. I mean, they haven't been winning, but they, you can't you can't play down to anybody. Can't you know play that? down to anybody. That's oh yeah, that's right after Christmas too, man. Yeah, nah, it's, those those are sometimes those are the tough ones. Those are the tough ones, for sure, man. Definitely shout out to Moat Mag. So happy that he's back. Hopefully, we get some news about some other guys, you know, getting healthy and back right before Big Ten play. But you know, a, a nice quick catch up on what's what's been what for Rutgers thus far. Anything else for you, top of mind? Nah, man. How's the training and everything going? Man, training's going well. Got got a lot of kids. I just added my man Caleb Green to to the staff, so he he's on board now too. Caleb Green's a former uh, Fairfield Stag, so he played for Coach Young, so in the Rutgers family a little bit. Uh, thousand point scorer, so he's he's doing the training with me now too, and just trying to grow this thing and, and help as many kids as we can. Man, I mean it's it's just fun. Like it's. I'm about to head to training right now after this once we get off. So, go, you know, go go work with some kids. And I'm actually going to go watch a high school game right after. So, you know, seeing, Good leaders seeing, delegate, the, man. I seeing see the work, Good leaders you know, delegate. seeing the results, man, seeing the results. So hopefully, hopefully, it, you know, it, it keeps going well. But it, it's 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 fun, man. How's everything with you, though? Everything's been straight. It's good, man. Really cool to see uh, Caleb on board. I had a chance to meet him. Obviously, you outsourcing some of these responsibilities to other people around you. So you're going about it in a smart way. Love yeah, to see man. that building the business in the right way. For sure. Um, so it's crazy to see, you know, how how cool and, and the, the brand reception for you um, and you building that out in the right way. And every time that somebody has um, talked about 
you know, the training. I hear Jerry Recco, ironically, he was talking about his son and yeah. some of the stuff that he's doing in his games now as a result of working with you. I'll send them your way, man. Yeah, so. man. Shout out Joseph. Shout out Joseph Recco, <laughs> man. <laughs> yeah, nah, you, you're doing well. Nah, every it's it's been really fun, bro. Me and Caleb were actually joking literally today about we got to come see you in the city too. We were, we were just talking. Oh about yeah, it. for sure. Pull so, up. You know yeah, where I'm at. You know yeah, where I'll need, be, man. We need some of the, the little tips on fintech, man. We got we got to talk. <laughs> <laughs> I got you. I got you, bro. Well, good episode. Good good recap. Are you moving? Um, I had Mississippi State upcoming. And we'll check in with you guys next episode and appreciate you checking out the Are You Listening podcast. Talk to you soon.